This is the Adam Gold Show. I'm Adam Gold. There was a lot of positivity right there. That was an interesting game. Yes. I had, I saw something I had never seen before. And I just appreciate sports for that. There are times where you will see things. Hmm, I've never seen that. <laughs> Feel like I've watched a lot of games in my life. Uh-huh. Never seen that. Oh, okay. I'm intrigued. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, it was... The response to it is also very interesting. We'll get to all of that. I am Adam Gold. Uh, you can participate on this uh, in this program or on this program. I don't even know. Um, you can do that on Twitter at a gold fan at v two v underscore two underscore the Victoria. Victoria is producing this program. Um, we'll even uh, throw phone numbers out at you later if you want to participate in the uh, in the Matt Rulathon. Yes. Coming up at one o'clock. No, wait, 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 wait. Before we start, <laughs> no, no, I'll, 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 I'll hang on to that. I'll okay. hang on to that for okay. a second. Um, so yes, we'll, we always leave the at least the the one o'clock segment open for people to participate in some way, shape, or form. So yes, it will be a Matt Rulathon right there. We'll also talk with David Hale uh, of ESPN covers the ACC because it was an interesting weekend, and of course, Will Brinson will join us starting in about. 13 minutes. Also a little baseball because uh, baseball was played and the Mets are no longer playing it. So we'll uh, we'll get to that later. I don't need to belabor the uh, the Mets at this point. Uh, so we might as well start. Let's do it. They're off. Look, because we spend so much time with uh, with football, with NFL football in the first hour of this program. We normally like to just mention it quickly and then move on to the college stuff because we want to spend more time with that. And then the Panthers go out and fire Matt Rule. Uh-huh. So that era is over. Steve Wilkes, who was a former defensive coordinator for the Panthers, and then got literally one year with the Arizona Cardinals before they either decided he was not the guy or lusted too much. I think it was over Cliff Kingsbury, which he's not the guy either, but whatever. He fits the... He, he's right from central casting for the NFL. Right? He's right from central casting in the NFL. I have a, I have a couple of thoughts on uh, who the next head coach of the Panthers is likely to be, and uh, this is not going to be a flattering discussion, uh, but we'll do that a little bit later on. Anyway... So Steve Wilkes will get an opportunity for the balance of this season to be the head coach, and we'll see where it goes from here. To me, this was a mercy firing yeah. of Matt Rule because look, we've talked about Matt Rule a lot. Matt Rule really is a good dude. Yeah. I mean, like there's no – he's the most non-football coach, football coach I have ever – Followed, covered, whatever. Right? I don't know Matt Rule. We've spoken to him like twice in two and a half years. But he comes off as just a regular guy who you like. And I believe that that was evident by the way the Panthers players discussed him over the last few weeks. They were 100% on board behind Matt Rule. Yeah, even Brian Burns just came out with a tweet saying how he still supports him even after yesterday's. They love him. 
Terrible. Christian game. McCaffrey was angry yesterday mm. after the game. Um, yeah, look, they they love Matt Rule. Yeah. So this was a mercy firing because it was would have been unfair for Matt Rule to absorb all the slings and arrows of what was going to be another horrific season. And ar- argue, not even arguably, this would have been their worst under Rule. Yeah. This was trending towards their worst. Remember, when we talked about the absolute best-case scenario for the Panthers this year, my opinion was eight wins. Eight and nine, man, that's the ceiling for this team. And it was predicated on a good start. They're one and four. So it wasn't going to be that. It was probably going to be closer to three wins under Matt Rule. So good, smart move by David Tepper to end this now. Matt can just kind of chill. Yeah. He's got $40 million in the bank. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. We don't have to worry about Matt Rule. We'll get a, he'll get a college job. There's some, some sort of a an assumption that Matt Rule is going to get big college jobs. And, like, he's never had a big college job. It ain't like he's Urban Meyer. No. I mean, I'm not comparing Matt Rule to Urban Meyer in terms of personality or anything like that. Matter of fact, he's the anti-Urban Meyer. He's a nice guy. Matt Rule didn't fail as an NFL coach because he came in here thinking that he could do it all, like Meyer did. Matt Rule failed at this because he just wasn't good enough. 11 wins, 27 losses, no hope. Zero hope. Very popular person within the walls of Bank of America Stadium, but he was always in over his head, and most of us realized it last season. In the middle of last season, most of us realized it. And I've heard way too many arguments about builders need time. It's unfair. He got a seven-year deal. All he needs is a quarterback. Bupkis. Yeah. All of the faux justification would have been merited had Rule demonstrated at any point in the first two years that he could do this. Even if he wasn't going to be great, if he could get to, you know, where he could see the bottom of Ron Rivera's shoes. Mm-hmm. Ron Rivera is a good, not a great, a good head football coach. But he wasn't, he couldn't even see where Ron Rivera was. It was just obvious. So, 38 games, and it's the same as it ever was. The team got worse. They're significantly worse today than they were in year one. Every single quarterback regressed under Matt Rule. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Sam Darnold was better as a Jet than he was as a Panther. Yeah. And the Jets were terrible. That's the problem. That's saying a lot when you're going backwards. Baker Mayfield, I'm convinced, is not this bad. No. He looks pretty bad, though. He looks pretty bad. So... They were just hopeless, and it's unfortunate. But nice guy, let him just let him just be. Yeah, let him just be. Put Holy. some Halloween decorations up. <laughs> you know what, Matt? I need some help. Yeah, we got witches on on posts that need to be right. stuck out in the yard. Christmas lights are coming I got soon. Crazy looking cats that need to go out. There you go. And, yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Let's. Uh, we'll move on. We're going to talk more about Matt Rule with Will Brinson coming up in a little bit. Uh, 
We had a lot of staying on brand this weekend in ACC football here locally, especially. NC State did what they had to do. Come from behind, win over Florida State. They did all the things that they do that we get mad at. They did lose Devin Leary to a right shoulder or arm injury. We don't. I, I have not seen results. Not that they're sending me the results of the MRI, but I have not seen the story based on the results at this point. But they were anticipating having them to, yesterday. So, I don't know. You never like to see your quarterback with his throwing arm in a sling. No. So, that ain't good. Um, Jack Chambers finished up. He caught one pass and completed none in a quarter of work. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Look, he he throws a nice ball. Nobody caught it. He only threw one. I, I think he might have thrown two, but there was a penalty. Anyway, state one. Without a passing game, state one. Good for them. They relied on their defense. Good for them. They were down 17-3 at the half. Great drive to open up the second half. Leary to Daryl Jones for a 10-yard touchdown that made it 17-10. to Then State's defense completely took over. Florida State punted four straight times and followed that with a pair of Jordan Travis interceptions. We'll talk about the last interception in a second. But let's talk about, I think it was the second punt? Either the first or the second punt. I don't even, uh, I don't even, uh, I don't even know. Um, Here's the thing about what, I don't even name the punter. He crossed the line of scrimmage before punting the ball. First of all, I thought he was I thought it was a fake and I thought he was going to get it and then he just decided to punt it after running across the line of scrimmage by a yard and I did not know the rule for that. I just figured, well, that's an illegal punt. They're either going to make him punt it again or, you know, State'll just get the ball plus however many yards. Nope. 5-yard penalty plus loss of down. It's it's essentially an illegal forward pass. And that's what that is. Five-yard penalty plus loss of down. And I'm thinking, wow, that's better than a turnover. (laughs) Yeah. That is just tremendous. And then State's defense or State's offense, actually, what's the difference? State's offense went minus five, minus five, holding penalty, holding penalty. They had the ball at the 13-yard line, and Chris Dunn had to come out and kick a 53-yard field goal, which he made. And I thought, that is spectacular. <laughs> just, I had never seen a punter cross the line of scrimmage no. and punt. I'd <laughs> no. never seen that. So I had no idea what the rule was. And then State's response to it was, yeah, this is too easy. We're going to make, we're going to ratchet up the degree of difficulty. Yeah. And then after State had taken that 19-17 lead, they punted at the plus 36. And I thought, why? Yeah. Your kicker just made, essentially, the same freaking field goal. So why not just just kick it? Yeah. There's plenty of time left. There was five, almost five minutes left, so just kick it. That's Florida, the goal. Put points on the board. Florida State, as long as you kept Jordan Travis from running, you were probably okay. Of course, they had trouble with that. Nope. They punted it. Florida State drove. There's penalty. Blah, blah, blah. Like, wait a second. All of a sudden, Florida State's at the 22. Time's running out. If they kick a field goal, you lose. 
And then Jordan Travis throws one of the dumbest interceptions I've ever seen. Now, it's, it might not have been on him. It might have been a receiver running a wrong route. For the people who are anti, you shouldn't throw it in that situation, I'm like, I don't know. I had no problem with throwing it. I had problem with the actual result of that. Um, their kicker wasn't very good, right? Florida State, <laughs> Florida State's kicker wasn't good. So, I don't know. It's just the whole thing was a mess. But, hey, look, the Wolfpack won the game. They won the game. And, uh, look, that's the way State's going to have to win. They're going to have to win ugly. If Leary is out for any length of time, they're going to have to win ugly. Although, Jack Chambers threw the ball a ton in uh, at Charleston Southern. He comes from a passing offense. Let him chuck it, man. Of course, State hasn't chucked it all year. So UNC holds off Miami 27-24. to Hurricanes scored 10 points in the final 30 seconds of the first half to make you squirm. But UNC never struggled offensively. Probably didn't get the most out of the almost 500 yards of offense either. They got to the run game while Miami never did. They had the now they have the upper hand in the coastal heading to Duke who acquiesced to Georgia Tech again. Dudes, what are you doing? Come on, Duke. You screwed the whole thing up. Actually, they didn't. I'll explain uh, in a second. Probably throw uh, throw a shout out to Georgia Tech for bucking up for a second straight game with a uh, interim coach. Like there was no hope. Then you go to Pittsburgh and win. Now you beat Duke. I look. Maybe Duke is just water finding its level, which we all have to assume is. At least possible, right? As good as it looked for five weeks, even in the loss to Kansas, as good as it looked, we all in the back of our mind were wondering, hmm, when is it midnight? We're all doing that. I'm not I'm not different than anybody else. So they lose, but if you're if you're Duke, if you beat Carolina Saturday night at Wallace Wade Stadium. You're sort of back in control. Sort of. But I don't think Duke's going to beat Carolina. So all that does is put Carolina big time in control. They will have wins over arguably the two biggest contenders in the Coastal. Although Pitt, maybe, I don't Georgia Tech's undefeated. You guys still got to beat Georgia Tech. Wow. <laughs> you got to beat Georgia Tech. Um, anyway, the that's what Duke did. Uh, all right, real uh, real quick, Wake Forest. Oh, by the way, Duke did force overtime against Georgia Tech. They were down by, what, 14. They return a punt for a touchdown, uh, turn it over on downs. Then they get the ball back with, like, three minutes left, drive down the field, score a touchdown, tie it up, send to overtime. Georgia Tech, uh, Georgia Tech kicks a field goal. And then Duke, on third down, completes a pass for a first down, but there was an offensive pass interference penalty, and Duke ends up uh, attempting a 52-yard field goal that uh, Charlie Ham misses, and that's it. Georgia Tech wins the game. Wake crushed Army, uh, although Army did rush or did, uh, you know, 
pile up about 400 yards of offense. So Wake still has the same, <clears throat> excuse me, the same type of issues that they have had in the past, and that you can move the ball on them. So they're going Wake, like when Wake and Carolina play, that figures to be very similar to what we saw last year, which is basically a pinball machine. We're just it's going to go to tilt. Both teams are going to hit fifty, and we're gonna we're gonna have fun. And you know, and if if mascots had to do push-ups after each score, they would be in trouble. But I'm okay watching that. It's fun. Um, it's more fun than watching some of the things that we tend to have to watch. But uh, Wake obviously is a dynamite team. All right, real quick to uh, to baseball, where we're. Will Brinson is otherwise indisposed at this moment. We are going to push him back just a little bit. Two things about baseball. We had the division playoffs, the I'm sorry, the wild card series over the weekend. Uh, it was kind of sad to see St. Louis get swept, not because I wanted the Cardinals to win. I wanted to be able to see Albert Pujols and, I guess, Yadier Molina, both extend their careers as long as possible. Interestingly enough, they each got hits in their final at-bats. Pujols, I believe, in the eighth inning, hit a uh, a single down the left field line. He was pulled for a pinch runner. Yadier in the ninth also got a hit. He was pulled for a pinch runner, uh, but the Cardinals couldn't come back and tie the Phillies, and that was that. Phillies swept that uh, that series, two games to none in St. Louis. Philly advances to meet the Braves. We'll talk about the Braves in a second. Um, the Mets got beat in three. There was only one game yesterday. It was the Mets and the Padres. And the Mets did in l- last night's game really what they had done over the last six weeks, and that's just not hit. Uh, all, all credit to Musgrove for shoving it at the Mets. I mean, he was great. Like, there weren't a lot of teams that would have hit him yesterday, but Padres were good. Padres were the better team over three games. I'm not even sure the Mets were that much better than them on Saturday night when the Mets won. I think it was really one inning that did it, but the Mets were otherwise sort of uh, feckless at the plate. And the Mets didn't get the starting pitching. We talked to Elliot Johnson about this I guess when we previewed the wild card series, in my opinion, it's your starting pitching dominance is overrated in the postseason. The postseason is all about getting a key hit and your bullpen. Those are the two elements that win postseason games. And the Mets didn't get key hits, and it didn't even matter whether or not their bullpen was good because the starters weren't. Max Scherzer was awful, probably not healthy. Jacob deGrom gutted it out for six innings, but he wasn't great. And Chris Bassett yesterday was terrified of the moment. If you watched it, you could tell. He was afraid to pitch to the shortstop, the seven-hole hitter. He was terrified of throwing him a strike in in the second inning. What are you doing in the second inning? And Padres ended up winning that game. I think it was 6 nothing. But the game was over in the second because 
you could t- you could just feel it. You could feel it that it was over. With that said, Padres look like fun. Soto, Machado, look, if they're going to get home runs out of the bottom of the lineup, production out of the bottom of the lineup, they're going to be tough. They're not going to be tough for the Dodgers to be, but they'll, they will not go down without a fight. Uh, and I actually think that they have good enough starting pitching. All you need in, in postseason baseball is good enough starting pitching. You don't need dominant starting pitching because you're probably not going to win that way. Um, but the Padres were better than the Mets, which frankly might not have been hard because the Mets might have made it easy. End of story. Uh, Guardians swept the Rays, and, oh gosh, the Rays had so many chances to win in that 70-inning game on Saturday that was scoreless going to the bottom of whatever inning it ended in. The Rays had, I don't know, three, four chances to score runs and never did, and finally, boom, home run, we're done. See ya. Uh, Rays go home, and the Mariners rallied from a 7-1 deficit on the road in Toronto in game two of that series to win it, what, I think 10-9? No, it was, was 8-1. They were down 8-1 and rallied to uh, to tie it at 9 and then won it 10-9. Uh, so good for the Mariners. The Mariners are fun, and they are going to be a tough out, although I do believe Houston's the best team. And we'll see the Yankees deal with... The uh, the Guardians. Uh, one more uh, one more quick thing about the Braves before we break. They they're they're going to get the Phillies. They think they beat the Phillies eleven out of nineteen this year. Phillies have good good enough starting pitching. If they hit, they're going to be a little bit of a problem. But there's a lot of similarities between the two teams in terms of you know how they score runs, which is pretty much long ball. But the Braves signed Spencer Strider to a long-term contract. They signed him to a what it amounts to a seven-year deal. Where I don't know that the total is like ninety-seven million. I think it's seven years, ninety-seven million. When I tack, when you tack on the the team option, if Spencer Strider is a you know a top of the rotation starter, you know a, a number one or a number two toward the end of it. Then they stole they stole money again. I don't the the lemon pepper wings at Magic City must be so amazing. Yes, that everybody who plays for the Braves signs for significantly below market value. It they must be the most delicious things in this on this earth. That's the secret. I'm telling you, but good good signing and actually with pitching. It's a little bit more dicey to project. So the Braves are taking they're taking a risk, but if they're just close to right, they're the winner of this. Uh but again, I've I said this before. I think the Braves going back to the World Series. Uh that's a that's a fun team. That's a fun team. The only reason I would be rooting against them and I'm not. I'm not rooting against them. I am rooting for them. I like I like the way that team plays baseball. So I am rooting for the Braves. But if I was rooting against them, I'd be rooting against fans. The most childish fans in ever. Ever. Anyway, uh, that's personal for me. That's I apologize for that. This is the Adam Gold Show.